Welcome to Tony Steak Podcast. Welcome to the Tony Steak Podcast, episode 361. I'm Sean, and joined with me, we have Off-Road Andy. Hello. And Tony Katz. Hello. Thank you for tuning in. Hit that subscribe button, share with a friend, and check out our entertainment podcast right after this. Got a few uh, topics to get to today. We're going to start with the NBA. Yes. Um, just, uh, last week when we did our podcast, we noted that uh, the day before we had uh, recorded, there was a couple very high-scoring games in the NBA. Joel Embiid dropped a 70 spot, and Carl Anthony Towns had had 66 points. Well, that wouldn't be the end of the high-scoring this week, and Joel Embiid's 70 wouldn't even end up being the highest total of the week. Friday came along, and Devin Booker scored 62 points for the Phoenix Suns in a losing effort, just like Carl Anthony Towns scored 66 in a losing effort. But it looks like you have to get to 70 to win because Joel Embiid scored 70 in a winning effort, and on Friday, Luka Doncic scored 73 in a winning effort for the Dallas Mavericks to beat the uh, Atlanta Hawks. And the one thing I do want to note, I did note this uh, when we talked about Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid's performance, is that... Those two performances came on the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's 81-point game. Well, Luka and Booker's night came on the uh, anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death date. So, kind of crazy that both uh, high-scoring games this week uh, were on Kobe's death day. And also, it should be mentioned, too, that Durant in one of the games, I think it was on uh, Monday night, also had 58 points that I believe we talked about. So, I mean, just a big scoring week for uh, for players. And I remember I texted Andy saying, oh, look, Booker's got whatever, and then he was like, well, Luca's going to beat that tonight. And I was like, I didn't even I didn't even realize he was doing that. And I went and checked, and he had had like 65 points at like the end of the third quarter. And I was like, oh, shit. But uh, yeah, high-scoring high weeks this week uh, in the NBA. Yeah, this, past this, week. this season's just been crazy. Uh, you know, scoring is so, so up. Like, even if you look back, like 10 years, scoring is way up. Uh, it, makes, it makes Harden's like 36 points a game, whenever that was, look like even more impressive when... You know, you're looking at these guys now, uh, but it's going to happen. It's someone's going to pass Kobe at some point. Oh yeah, um, especially in today's NBA. Yeah, the way it's going. It's, I mean, you got teams happen. averaging 125 points a game, or you know, I don't even know what the leading team is anymore. I don't know if it's still Indiana or if somebody has passed them, but it's pretty remarkable. And I remember seeing a thing a couple years ago that talked about how it was. It was probably more than a couple years ago. I think it was when Mike Conley was on the Grizzlies, and it talked about how the Grizzlies were the slowest pace team in the NBA and that their possessions per game would have been first in like 1990 something by like a wide margin. And it was the slowest in like 2018 or something. So yeah, just a just different style of NBA now, but uh, you know, fans. And speaking of that, uh, a lot of places you do see a lot of high scoring are the NBA all-star game. And we've actually got the starters here. So Andy, how about you let us know who's starting yeah, and so who the snubs are also? Well, we don't know the whole roster. That's yet, right. So. We don't. We just know the starters. Um, you could pre, you could try to guess who the snubs will be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is just the starters. This is based on the fan voting. Um, so yeah, doesn't mean someone's not gonna make the team if they're on the list list. Can but we also mentioned that it feels like this is the, actually I'll let you say it first and then I'll say what I'm about to say. Okay, sure. So starting the Eastern conference, uh, so they're so they do three forwards, two guards is how they they do the thing. So no no centers. Centers are part of forwards. Uh, it doesn't matter because the two best players in the NBA are centers, and they <clears> always get on the team. Uh, but yeah, for for forwards you got uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, and Jason Tatum. And then at guard you've got Halliburton, 
and Damian Lillard. So uh, I think Halliburton made the team last year, but uh, this is going to be his first year starting. Mm-hmm. It's a, a big thing there. And then, yeah, two bucks there. Uh, Damian Lillard, first year in the East, is actually starting. Uh, I don't know if he deserves it, but, you Ooh. know. Uh, <clears throat> Who would you put ahead of him? I don't know. That's a good question. East. I don't know. I'm put on the spot. Uh, it's like also this is Maxi fan voting. better than yeah. It's fan voting. Mag, you got Maxi, uh, Donovan Mitchell. Um, like I think if you're maybe two weeks from now, Mitchell should be starting because uh, the way Cleveland's been playing as of late. Um, Jalen Brunson, I feel like <clears throat> is always a decent candidate too. Sure, I don't know if he's a starter, but yeah, I mean they're also playing really really well as of late. The I'm saying he is. He I've yeah. watched a couple Knicks games. He he's really good, Jalen yeah. Brunson. I mean, let's just look. Yeah, we're gonna. Um, so yeah, who am I missing? Trey yeah, Young. Donovan Mitchell, you were right, 27.7 a game. Yeah, Trey Young. Jalen Brunson right there, 26.7. Yeah. So, so where is uh, Damian Lillard? Is he even, oh, right there, 25.1. Right below Max, he's 25.7. So, yeah, definitely maybe a lot more uh, guys that could have been worthy. But, uh, again, it is the fan vote, and uh, the fans like Damian Lillard. Uh, and then in the West, we have uh, LeBron, of course. Uh, for, I think, 20th time uh, being on the All-Star team. Uh, Kevin Durant. Nicole Jokic, Luka Doncic, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So, what I quickly wanted to say is, it's noted here that the two team captains, because that's the way it goes now, like it's not East versus West anymore, it's... No, they actually are reverting back to East versus West, but they're still putting captains for some reason. Oh, okay, see, that's why I was a little confused when they already nominated starters. Okay, I like that. That's how I feel like it should be. But I still wanted to point out that if it wasn't that, I feel like this is what, the third or fourth year in a row? It's, It's... Giannis and LeBron as the captains. It seems longer than that. It's I think they like that. Like I was going to say, I one, feel like it's one as long American, as doing one it. European, or whatever. Yeah, he's European. Yeah, oh, yeah, Greek baby. Uh, yeah, and we will. I guess when will we know when the reserves are coming? I think uh, this Friday. Okay, and then we'll let you so guys know our thoughts that, on who's yeah, going to be snubbed. That will be interesting because there will be some snubs. I saw. Oh, yeah. I saw a thing, an article about uh, the West and how impossible it's going to be for the West. So here are the guys that aren't on the West team as of right now. Uh, Devin Booker, De'Aaron Fox, Steph Curry, uh, Anthony Edwards, Anthony Davis, Kawhi, Lori Markadon, Paul George, Towns, Zion. Like Zion's had a healthy season. I don't know if he's an all-star, but I think you want Zion in your all-star game. Oh, 100%. Um, it just, it's, it's a crazy amount of guys. Uh, Brandon Ingram. There's going to be like five people that are going to be legitimate snubs. And you're like, well, what do you do about it? It's like, that's just how it works. Um, Wemby, that's another one. Don't you want to see him in the All-Star game? No, like, I don't fun. I don't think he deserves it. But he has decent enough numbers. Oh, Sabonis is another one. Sabonis is close to averaging a triple-double, Who I think. Who is on the All-Star team? <laughs> uh, well, these are just people that aren't on it yet. But I'm saying I just listed off like 15 people and there's only going to be seven more, I think. So it's just there's... In the West is going to be it's going to be terrible. There's going to be some like great players left off there. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to be difficult, but I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Uh, do we want to move over to NHL? Yeah, we do. We've actually got the. Uh, it's t- towards that time of the season now where uh, we've got the NHL All Star break uh, coming up this uh, this coming weekend. And as we know, they do a different format now where they've got the. It's broken up into four conferences. You've got the Central versus the the uh, Pacific, and then you've got the Metropolitan versus the Atlantic, and they do three on three. And, you know, the winner of each game faces, you know, the winner of Atlantic Metropolitan plays the winner of Central Pacific in the finals. And it's always been kind of a fun thing for the All-Star game. You know, makes it three on three, more scoring. Uh, but we just wanted to note a couple things on who, um, 
how the standings are here going into the All-Star break. Because there's only a couple NHL games this week. There's two. There was two yesterday. Or no, I'm sorry. There was one yesterday. There's two today. There's only like two tomorrow. And then it's the All-Star break. And then there won't be hockey again until like Tuesday or like Wednesday or something of next week. But uh, we just wanted to go over the, the standings really quick. Update everybody. So in the Eastern Conference, you've got the number one seed, the Boston, the Boston Bruins with 71 points. And then you've got the Florida Panthers with 66 points. And then the New York Rangers, 63. The Carolina Hurricanes, 61. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, 59. The Maple Leafs, 58. The Detroit Red Wings back in action with 57. And then um, we've got uh, the Philadelphia Flyers with 56. And the New- and I think that uh, that wraps up the, f- yeah, the top playoff, eight. Playoff so that would be the there. playoffs if it ends. Then the teams right now looking in, you got the Islanders with 52 points. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, 51, and the New Jersey Devils and Washington Capitals with 51. When's the last time the Penguins did miss the playoffs? Last year, actually. They and that was their first time missing it in a very long time. You don't think the commissioner is going to call down and be like, get them in the playoffs? <laughs> well, that's what the funny thing is. is In the offseason, they got a very good uh, defender, Carlson, that used to be on uh, the San Jose Sharks and uh, another team that I'm blanking on right now. But he's a very good player. And the Pittsburgh Penguins were able to get him. I was going to say the Raiders. Actually, you know what? I think he started off on Ottawa and then he went to San Jose. But anyway, doesn't matter. But uh, he's a really good player and he was supposed to help out their defense, but uh, they're still struggling. And then you had the Devils who had a great season last year. They have one of the best young players in the NHL and Jack Hughes and uh, who has been hurt. But uh, yeah, the Devils are struggling right now. And then you've got Ovechkin down there. Uh, hasn't been the same Capitals offense that we've seen in the past. But uh, but Yeah. But anyway, moving on to the West, the number one seed has been a surprise this year, the Vancouver Canucks, and they are like leading the NHL in goals per game and goals against. So they are dominating this season. Uh, the goals per game, the average, I believe. But actually, now that I look at it, it looks like uh, Colorado's passed them in that. But anyway, Vancouver, number one, uh, the number two seed, your Colorado Avalanche, uh, the number three, and then you got a three and four. You've got uh, Dallas Stars, followed by Winnipeg Jets, followed by the Vegas Golden Knights. Followed by Edmonton, who we should note has won 16 games in a row. They're one win away from tying the NHL record. Uh, Just remarkable. And mind you, this team was started off in the cellar for the most part this season. They fired their head coach roughly 20, 25 games ago. And uh, they've turned it around, to say the least. And then you're... They still have some star power there. Yeah, they do. They still have McDavid and Dreisaitl and a couple other guys like Hyman and... Uh, some other guys that contribute a lot. And then your two wildcard teams right now, the LA Kings with 54 points and the St. Louis Blues with 54 points. But this is a little bit closer than the East because you've got the Nashville Predators who also have 54 points. Uh, the Seattle Kraken with 52 and then a little a couple notable ones right behind them, only five points behind. You've got the Arizona Coyotes and Calgary Flames with uh, 49 points. But the LA Kings started off, you know, for the local listeners here, the LA Kings started off really hot this year and they have actually... Uh, They've dwindled a little bit. They're currently on a four-game losing streak. They're 2-5-3 and three in their last 10, so only two wins in their last 10 games. Uh, just not the team that uh, started off well. I mean, they've gone into the new year a little a little cold. So, uh, But yeah, that's um, pretty much the, the update right now. I mean, the Vancouver Canucks have been the best team, in my opinion, throughout the season. But uh, I just, you know, we'll see if they can hold on. I mean, you've got the Colorado Avalanche, who are such a strong team. I've, I like what Dallas can do. Um, the way Edmonton's playing right now, it's going to be, they're going to be a tough out. And then, you know, in the East, you've got the Bruins, who had the best, broke the record last year for best season ever. And they um, uh, are back up there this year with 71 points. And uh, they got knocked out in the first round last year. So, you know, they're going to 
be hungry this year to make a deep run in the East. Um, so yeah, it should be a good season. You got the Florida Panthers up there too, who were in this Stanley Cup last year. They have the second best points in the East. So it'll be a, a good second half and uh, probably really won't talk too much about hockey again unless anything big happens uh, until probably around close to playoff time when teams start to clinch and uh, all that fun stuff. But I will say, you know, playoff hockey is one of my favorite things to watch. So we'll definitely give you guys more of an update when uh, all that stuff comes around more. Yeah. All right. Uh, got some soccer news? Yeah, we do. Uh, this actually affects me because I am a big Liverpool fan and their coach, Jurgen Klopp, who is such a great guy. Like if you watch, he's one of those guys that even if you aren't a soccer fan or if you even if you don't if you are a soccer fan, you don't care for Liverpool, you just watch him and he's just very energetic. He's just always got a big smile on. He's a, he's a cool guy, just a nice guy. And I was literally talking to somebody uh, at a pizza place the other day. Uh, and he was even saying, he's like, man, your team's got, he was a big soccer fan. He's like, you guys got to hang on to Klopp as long as you can. I was like, oh yeah, like, I don't think he's going anywhere. And then I thought, I couldn't even believe my eyes when I read it late last week, but Jurgen Klopp said he is going to, this is, he's going to retire at the end of this uh, Premier League season. And it broke my heart. And, you know, but I'm on, like, the follow the Instagrams, you know, I've seen some of the interviews from him and everybody is, you know, very on his side. He just basically said, you know, I'm tired. You know, he's 56 years old, so it's not like he's very old, but I mean, hey, he's flirting with 60 and it's, you want to, if you've already, you know, he's won some Champions League, some Premier League titles. It's like, you know, he's, he's tired and he wants to, you know, spend some time or at least I think he's only going to take a few years off because I just feel like his personality is going to get bored. He's going to want to go back. But uh, he did say, will he coach again in the future? He doesn't know, but he did promise that if he ever, that he will never coach in England again, unless it's Liverpool. He said he will never, ever coach another team in England. He said Liverpool is his team. So I think what's going to happen is he's going to retire, take a couple years off, a year or two. And I think he'll end up in like Italy or he's from Germany or even Germany or, you know, Spain, like, and his, you know, re- and his career out in a nicer country like that. Cause that's what a lot of people do. They go to like Italy or France and mostly Italy, I feel like, but, uh, We'll see what happens. But uh, right now, Liverpool is currently in first place in the Premier League by, I believe, five points. And so uh, hopefully they can hold on this season. I think there's about roughly 20 games left and they can uh, maybe send him out with a a Premier League title, you know, once more. So that would be nice. So uh, be cheering for that. But yeah, that was just I just wanted to say it was a little uh, heartbreaking for me to see uh, him decide to hang it up. But we still got about three more months with him. So enjoy what you got. Yeah. Well, should we close things out with the NFL? Yeah, plenty to talk about here. Uh, we have the conference championships. So we have a Super Bowl matchup. But uh, before that, uh, a lot of coaching hires. Uh, and we're just about done with coaching hires, though. But there's still a couple jobs still out there. But uh, we'll start off here. It's official. The Chargers hired Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. Uh, we talked about it last week that it seemed to be done, but it wasn't officially done. Uh, it is done. He's also bringing over the defensive coordinator. Um, you know, Michigan had, had a top defense. You think Harbaugh is a quarterback, offensive guy, but Michigan had a top defense. So he's bringing over his defensive coordinator. Um, it's, it's very exciting. Uh, he's, he's saying all the right things. He, he talks about how much he only played two years with the Chargers back in the late nineties, early two thousands, but he's like, I, I loved playing mm-hmm. there. And it, it feels, I think he said it feels like home, even though, uh, you know, he played in the city of San Diego, which the Chargers don't play there anymore, but. Uh, he was familiar with the ownership and everything, so it was an easy decision for him. Uh, and I think the reason he wanted this job is the reason why anyone would want the job. 
uh, Justin Herbert. Like, there's there's still so much unlocked potential there. Like, you should be fighting for MVPs. Um, and as we see, MVPs maybe don't get you too far mm-hmm. in this league anymore. It's a foreshadow. Uh, but uh, he shouldn't be, you know, winning five games a year. He should be competing for the MVP. And that's Harbaugh is going to – that's his job. That's where he's got to get him. He's got to get the team uh, to that, that point. So uh, it is a it is a big splash for the Chargers. The last few head coaching hires have been, like, relatively unknown coordinators. And now you're getting one of the most famous football coaches in, in the sport – uh, was very successful with the Niners, and then you know went to college and uh, ended up winning the the grand prize there. So uh, it's exciting, but I'm in the same position I always am. Uh, if you're optimistic about the Chargers, that that makes it worse when they you know go seven and ten next year, yeah. and like the entire off the line dies of a new form of COVID or something. Um, I'm I got to be prepared for any sort of scenario. Uh, yeah, but still, they they made the right choice here. That's what you got to do. Uh, it might end terribly, but it was the right choice in the moment. So I'm happy with that. Um, we have some other head coaching hires, a couple NFC South ones here. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons have hired Raheem Morris, who, uh, if you don't remember, because I forgive you if you don't remember, he was a head coach in the NFC South way back when. Uh, he was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 2009 to 2011. Uh, when he was in his early 30s, one of the youngest coaches ever. That actually sounds familiar And it now. did not go well, and he uh, was relieved and has been a defensive coordinator around the league for multiple years, including in Atlanta. Uh, he was Atlanta's interim head coach for a few games at the end of 2020. Uh, he's been the Rams defensive coordinator the last couple of years, and uh, now he's back as a head coach. Um, and I think maybe the most notable part of the story is that Bill Belichick interviewed, had two interviews with the Falcons. And it sounds like the owner really wanted him, uh, but the rest of the organization was like, no, we're, we don't want Belichick taking over the whole franchise. Uh, so they went with Raheem Morris. So I don't know. It looks like Bel- Bill Belichick's not going to get a job. So that I actually, it's funny you say that because I saw this funny <laughs> little fun thing on uh, Instagram today that it talked about how because of these posi- like this position getting taken up and the Chargers position, that Bill Belichick went to minus 1600 on the no to coach an NFL team this season. And they said that now there's a conspiracy floating around that Bill Belichick's going to get the Michigan job. And apparently, according to some sort of. I mean, Michigan L- already hired their coach. Yeah, I know. But they, this was just like a fun thing that came on the internet. Like, this might have been a few days ago, but it was like. It was saying that the hype, like that Belichick would. I mean, wait till you hear what I have to say. That'll, it'll make you laugh. That Bill Belichick was going to get the Michigan job. And then, <laughs> according to some of like how it works, that Brady technically has a year of eligibility left. And that Brady would go there and they'd team up again to win a title for Michigan. <laughs> Which, that, that is a Netflix movie right there. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it was I'll, I'll show you the, the whole thing after. Uh, and the guy just looks at the camera after. He's like, I think it's going to happen. <laughs> actually, a good friend of the podcast, Tommy, actually, is the, who sent me that today on Instagram. <laughs> And uh, so I'll, I'll show you guys that uh, when this uh, when we're after this is done. But uh, I was I was laughing because I just envisioned Tom Brady out there against college kids. That actually more sounds like a lawsuit about to happen. Tom Brady in college, single man, yeah. sounds dangerous. <laughs> Those are smart people out there in Ann Arbor. So, uh, well, yeah, Michigan did hire a coach. Uh, I think it's a guy who did did coach them in the interim basis. Their offense coordinator. And that was kind of like the plan. They they all knew that. That's mm. who Harbaugh. Um, well, they uh, a lot of the kids at Michigan 
did kind of what the Raiders were doing too. And they were kind of like demanding like, Hey, we, this is the guy we want. Like, yeah. listen to us. But granted, you guys are only there for another year or two. Yeah. And then that guy will have to prove himself. I mean, he's yeah. got the job, but, um, that's a different sport. Uh, there was one other co- head coaching hire. Uh, this is a name that, uh, not, not a household name by any means. Carolina Panthers hired a Dave Canales, uh, who was the offensive coordinator for the Bucks last year. And before that, the quarterback's coach with Seattle. So a quick rise for him. I think he's, he's still a younger guy there. Um, but he was quarterback's coach for Geno Smith, turning his career around, then goes to Tampa Bay and uh, helps Baker Mayfield have a nice season, go to the playoffs. And now he's uh, going to be the head coach there in Carolina. Uh, but the thought there is that Carolina is going to get a lot of no's from a lot of candidates because of uh, the whole situation with their owner being kind of a dick. And being, uh, you know, in too much involved. Yeah. Um, so maybe a younger guy that doesn't have a lot of experience is like, yeah, I'll take the risk and see, see what happens here. Um, but yeah, so, so, uh, he is off to Carolina. Um, and then, so that leaves two spots open, head coaches, uh, and one of them we thought was going to get filled this weekend or this week after the weekend. And, uh, it's not going to happen. So Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, uh, very hot coaching candidate the last two years. Young offensive coordinator, a lot of success with them already. He was the favorite to get the Washington job, and uh, he announced today, "No, I'm going I'm to stay with the Lions one more year at least." Um, and to turn down both uh, Washington and Seattle. So the other, the other open job is Seattle. Um, and yeah, the, the favorites net right now for Seattle are uh, Mike McDonald, who's the Ravens' defensive coordinator, and he did or did not have the farm. <laughs> he, he might have, uh, and uh, Dan Quinn, their <clears throat> former uh, defensive coordinator back in the day. Uh, currently with Dallas. Um, but yeah, I don't know who Washington's going to go out and hire now. Uh, they were thought to be maybe a Belichick team, but n- probably not now. I can't see Belichick wanting to go to Washington anyway. I can't even believe he wanted to go to maybe Seattle. I think Belichick needs to go to a team that already had an uh, established quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta's not that. No, and neither is. I mean, wa- Washington's not really either. I don't think. Uh, well, Washington's the number two pick. Their quarterback's oh, okay. going to be Drake May or somebody. So. Oh, very good. Yeah. A um, couple coordinator or one coordinator hire I have on here. Um, it's interesting to you. Yeah, Arthur Smith. Huh? And I think what's interesting is is an intersection in things in your life. Because I, I know I've told you this before, but do you recall that Arthur Smith's father is the founder of FedEx? Yeah, I think you have yeah. told me that. So it's like FedEx is part of your life. Yeah. Steelers are part of your life. True. Um, I think it's a good hire because... I, I, people always look at coordinators that fail as head coaches and be like, well, that guy's an idiot. He sucks. Maybe they just failed as a head coach and they're still good at their rest of the job. Uh, Arthur Smith did a good job with Tennessee. He got them to the playoffs. I mean, I think a lot of what people think Vrabel did, should Arthur Smith should get credit for. Uh, but the Steelers clearly have uh, needs at offensive coordinator. They have not been a good offense in a while. Um, so now you got a guy who has head coaching experience and success as an offensive coordinator. so, um, And then the other one I have on there, like related to that, has nothing's happened yet, but uh, Brandon Staley is, is interviewing for some jobs, including his old job with the Rams uh, and also the Dolphins. And yeah, a lot of, the, lot of the, the comments are like, why would anyone want him? He's dumb. He's stupid. He's terrible. You see what he did with the Chargers? Like, I don't know. Maybe maybe he goes and be... Go, I think some guys are just good at what they're good at. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see both of these guys. I mean, I think they were hired the same year and they were fired the same year. And maybe they're both great at their, their job as coordinators. Uh, yeah. It'll be interesting for the Steelers. I mean, obviously, not a lot of people didn't like <clears throat> the other guy that was their coordinator that got fired this year. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? 
Matt Canada. Matt, Matt Canada. Yeah. I almost want to say Todd Haley, but that was a long time ago. But, He's somewhere, I think. He's, yeah. He always pops up somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Matt Canada, and then, you know, they got replaced with the uh, intern guy or whatever, and then, you know, they, things got a little better, but then they kind of showed some side-by-side stats, and it's like, it wasn't really that much better. So, yeah, hopefully Arthur Smith. I think the one thing that I know upset a lot of people this year with Atlanta was that they didn't utilize Bajon Robinson a lot, but then I saw some things out that Arthur Smith was kind of acting like he was trying to save Bajon Robinson for if they made the playoffs, then he was going to unload by using them, but then it's like... True or not, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, hopefully the Steelers can uh, do something, uh, like, you know, next season. I mean, I still believe as a fan they're a quarterback away from being a real threat. And I think uh, that's why I was happy that Mason Rudolph was able to carry this team to the playoffs because Kenny Pickett was healthy enough to go in the game against Buffalo. But, you know, Mason Rudolph won the last three games of the season. He got them there and they said no, which tells me that that's not your guy then. Because if it was really your guy, it wouldn't have mattered if – that guy won three in a row. I mean, it's like when Brock Osweiler won those games for the Broncos and Peyton Manning was healthy enough to come back. It's not like they let Brock Osweiler just carry, try to get them to the Super Bowl. It's like Peyton Manning came back in and won it for him. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, see how that goes. But that's a long ways away. But I uh, guess we should get into some of the games that happened this weekend. The conference round uh, started off at 12 o'clock Pacific time with the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. And... Um, the Chiefs got the job done. Uh, seventeen to ten. Uh, they they started out quick. Uh, I think a lot was talked about with the uh, the Andy Reid script because they uh-huh. scored touchdowns on their first two possessions, and then yeah, never scored another touchdown. Uh, yeah, but, but they looked as good as ever in those two. They drives. did. Uh, they looked good. I mean, their defense looked good throughout the whole game. But there was that one play where Mahomes scrambled for like nine seconds and then threw that pass to Kelsey, like in, laid out, and it was like in the end zone. No, it was, oh. it was just for a first down, like a third and nine. But mm-hmm. it was like one of the craziest things I've ever seen. It's just like, well, yeah, those are two of the greatest players of all time yeah. in sync. And like no one else is going to complete that. No other combination could complete that. Yeah, that's uh, – and then Lamar Jackson, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's he – like we've talked about before, he looked like playoff Lamar. I mean, there were some decisions where it's like, dude, run the ball. Or like he was just running around too much. Took that strip fumble that hurt him, which, you know, rest in peace to that guy. That player that uh, stripped out of his hand did end up tearing his ACL. He will be out for the Super Bowl, so uh, hope for a quick recovery for that guy. And then, uh, you know, the Ravens, it was, you know, it was they got the momentum when they found the deep pass to Zay Flowers. You know, then the first half, that was exciting. And then poor Zay Flowers lays out on that the uh, that play when it was 17-7. to Could have made it a 17-14 game and fumbles. And yeah. that was basically all she wrote after that. And then, again, then... Lamar Jackson throwing it into triple coverage later on, throwing it at pick in the end zone. It, it was just a disaster. They were their own worst enemies. And I can't say Chiefs didn't score in the second half. The final, the score was 17 to seven at halftime. And the final score was 17, 10. So it was so frustrating about this game is that it was so new England like, yeah, they are uh, the for, next new England. For so many years, new England would be like, okay, well they're not that good this year. They're a three seed 100%. or something. They're 11 and five. And then they would still beat the better team. They would, or they'd go and they pound the Colts for some reason. Like Andrew Luck would get destroyed, and like oh, I thought Andrew Luck could have got him this year. Um, this game was just Baltimore fucking up in so many ways. Um, like I know this this is a, a different game, but I had flashbacks to the Chargers Patriots game in two thousand six, where everyone kind of remembers the the Marlon McCree interception fumble that cost them the game. But there were like three other terrible plays. Like, just, I don't want to say fluke plays, but, like, weird shit that happened with the Chargers where it's like, that's not how they played all year. Uh, this game, in addition to that Zay Flowers fumble, you're talking about that terrible interception that Lamar hasn't thrown all year. 
uh, penalties like Clowney making a really dumb um, was this, passer. Was that the one where he punched him basically in the face? Yeah, yeah, that was, um, that was a couple bad. other penalties on on their team. That just they teams get psyched out playing. They got psyched out playing the Patriots, and now it seems to be the Chiefs have that mm-hmm. uh, as well. That's that psychic power, um, and it's frustrating because it's like they don't deserve that. I mean, you can give Kansas City a lot of credit on defense. They called a great game. They confused them. They have a really good defense. That was kind of underrated all year is that the defense has been better than their offense. Uh, but so far in the playoffs, the Chiefs' offense at moments has looked just as good as they used to. I mean, in the second half, they just kind of – Sat on the ball. I think it was. I think if Baltimore really made a threat, I think Kansas City would have uh, scored. You know, got it back to like a two-score game at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, that definitely surprised me. I had Baltimore here. I, I'd said like Baltimore has been the best team really all year long. Um, they they surpassed the Niners uh, and really haven't looked back. And uh, I picked them minus four. So like they were at home, but it's like clearly. Even Vegas was saying they're a better team. And I was like, yeah, I think they're even better than that. Kansas City has at times looked pretty mediocre. Uh, but, yeah, another another loss for me. Uh, you you get the win, though. You picked the under 44 and a half. So. Yeah, I was pretty happy with that. I, that. That game did end up going how I thought it would. I thought the defenses would play well and that they would – both teams would just move the ball but, like, you know, use clock management because the Chiefs are so good at that. And I figured if the Chiefs had the lead, they'd be able to do that because they're one of the few teams that can – burn up seven minutes on one drive, you know, and Baltimore can do it too, but they had to obviously go a different game plan because there was a stretch I felt like in the second half where then it seemed like Lamar Jackson just kept trying to take deep shots like Odell Beckham or something like that. It was just, they they lost play of who they were and it was, eh, that's what happens. That's probably when you let the Chiefs, Chiefs get the lead like that. And, um, you know, it's, and because of that, we're going to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. And it's the second year in a row without Tyree Kill that they're going to the Super Bowl. Uh, 2-0 in the AFC now without Tyreek Hill. Uh, 1-0 in the Super Bowl, maybe we'll, pending to see if they're going to be 2-0. But again, it is exactly what you said. And I want, I'm glad you touched on that, is that they really are the new New England Patriots, where it's like they you look at this team and you're like, this isn't the best version of them. They're not that good. And then you blink and they're in the Super Bowl. And you're like, how? How did they get in the Super Bowl? Was there really no one better in the AFC than them? And it's, but there are teams that are solid in the AFC. And it's like, it's just, it's just unfortunate. I guess. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, I mean, some stuff lined and, up with them. I mean, Miami fell apart at the end of the season. Buffalo had a bunch of injuries. And then, yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, well, Buffalo just, missed a 40-yard field goal, too, and, and stuff. There Baltimore was, just kind of choked here. So The thing is, you got to play perfect football to knock out the Chiefs. Like, I don't even remember how the Bengals played when they knocked the Chiefs out that year. No, the Chiefs the Chiefs fell apart. That was a very weird game. Yeah, that's what you kind of have to do to them. you got to make them fall apart. The that Chiefs, was in Kansas City, too, right? Yeah, the Chiefs were up 21-3, to I think. And they lost the game. They didn't score it after the half. It was really that really sounds strange. familiar. Yeah, uh, where it's just like it looked. People thought Patrick Mahomes like got concussion or something because he was so bad. That's right. Yeah, and then also they, you know, then the worst I've ever seen them look was against the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. Yeah, the the other underrated thing about the Chiefs, and it was strange what happened in this game, but after that game, which they got so destroyed on the offensive line, uh, the Chiefs realized we have to have a good offensive line every year. They spent a lot of uh, draft yeah. picks and money, always having a good offensive line. Uh, maybe their best offensive lineman, Joe Tooney, was out. He got hurt. Big injury. I thought it was going to play a factor. It didn't. They seemed yeah. fine. Um, yeah. I mean, you got to have that line. You got to give the greatest yeah. quarterback in the world time. And even that's, without him, they, they were still had a good offensive line performance. And yeah, ever, ever since that Super Bowl, they're like, no, we're going to have 
we're going to have a top five offensive line every year. Yeah, it's, maybe that's the thing that's smart about it. Because I think they understand that, yeah, we don't have Tyreek Hill anymore. We might not have the most amazing receiving core. I mean, our best receivers are tight end and then now a rookie wide receiver. But it's like, hey, if, as long as this guy's got time, he could find a guy with an amputee out there to catch the ball. You know what I mean? So, And you know what the f- ironic thing was at the Marcus end of that game? Valdez. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. He got a lot of criticism earlier in the year when he made some clutch drops. And he's the one that made the clutch catch at the very end that put the the game away. Because if he drops that ball, they're punting. Baltimore gets the ball back. Crazier things have happened. But uh, we'll move on to the NFC game because this is the game that I'm really intrigued by. I, uh, the San Francisco 49ers against the, were hosting the Detroit Lions. And the Detroit Lions got off to a hot start. Opening drive looked really well. Drove it down the field. Quick touchdown. You know, long story short, they're up... Uh, what was it? 21 to uh, 21 to three. And then uh, 21 to seven, 21 to seven at the half. I mean, not at the half, 21 to seven driving at the end of the half. They had the decision. There was a couple seconds left. Are they going to kick the field goal to go up three scores or they go for it? Dan Campbell ended up uh, kicking the field goal, which uh, is a big foreshadow because we'll get into stuff in the second half. So the second half begins. Niners get the ball first. They drive the field and they get a field goal. So it's 24 to 10. San Francisco's losing. And the Lions get the ball, and they travel down the field. And I've uh, got it here where it was 24 to 10. And the Lions had the ball fourth and two at the San Francisco 28. So in that situation, a lot of people are thinking, you know, kick the field goal again. You're up by three scores again. But Dan Campbell played it the way he's played all season, which is very aggressive. And he went for it. And it was a ball that, yeah, maybe Reynolds should have caught. But it was also not the best ball that Jared Goff could have thrown. Incomplete. 24-10 game. Uh, on that suing possession, San Francisco's got the ball. They throw a deep ball that hits the face mask of uh, one of the Lions defenders that Ayuk makes an amazing catch. And then granted, there was a flag on the play anyway. So, I mean, they were going to get the ball there. They end up scoring a touchdown. It's 24-17. And then to start the, the next drive, Lions get the ball first play. Fumble recovered by the Niners. They're already in Detroit territory. A few plays later, they score. All of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, you got a 24-24 game. Then on that uh, next possession, the Lions drove it down. The, or I'm sorry. Uh, Lions, Niners end up getting the ball back. Niners go up 27-24. And then this is where the next part of the controversy is that uh, people are, you know, talking about with Dan Campbell is the Lions had the ball fourth and three on the 30-yard line down 24-27. to And it, with seven and a half to go in the game, had the chance to go kick the field goal to tie the game. Dan Campbell does what he's done all year, goes for it. Incomplete pass again, and then the Niners get the ball back, and then I believe after that, the Niners drove it down the field. They had a couple big runs by McCaffrey. Uh, they go and score a touchdown to go up uh, 34-24, to and then the Lions got the ball back, and they're driving again. They got, both, they got all three timeouts, and this was the other part of the controversy with Campbell was it was third and goal with about a minute left, and he hands the ball off at like the three-yard line or something, gets stuffed, which forces him to have to use the timeout, uh, they end up going for it on fourth and goal from which is still kind of funny because it's like you needed two scores anyway, but he's a gambler goes for it. They got the touchdown that time makes it 34 31, but under 50 seconds left. They only have two timeouts and it worked out that, yeah, they were able, they stopped him and it was fourth down, but the Niners were able to get to run the clock all the way out. And there was a one second differential and hiked it, need it, whatever they did. I can't remember, but uh, that was the game. So uh, what were your thoughts on all of the Dan Campbell's calls? Did you, would you like to see at least one field goal out of one of those two times? No, I may be the wrong person to ask, especially because uh, the weird situation where 
the Detroit Lions kicker was the Chargers kicker for a couple of years. Okay. <laughs> and so I have just a no trust of kickers. Yeah, and I mean I don't believe I don't believe in in a guaranteed kick unless it's within the 20. Yeah. And even then I'm still sweating it a little bit. No, and I agree. Um, and it's like free throws at the end of a basketball game. They, these are different kind of field goals. You can't, and you can't you just can't assume them. They they were showing yeah. like I don't know what the right stats on there, but they're He's a he's a league average kicker, so those field goals were probably like seventy five percent. Let me tell you, if it's if Justin Tucker's your kicker, do you want those? Do you kick those field goals? No, because I'm crazy. I would okay. I would assume Justin Tucker would fall apart as a kicker in like team. a clutch game. I've had a good kicker the last two years, which is interesting enough. But uh, I'm still kind of broken. Um, and this was with Badgley here. This range was why he lost his job with the Chargers. Was yeah. he fell apart where he. They could not trust him past 45, which is like, I understand past 50 is a gamble, 50-50, but those like 45 to 50 yarders should be ones you feel comfortable attempting. And at a certain point, they stopped yeah. feeling comfortable yeah. him attempting. I think he went, I think he went nine of 18 over his last two years in that range, which yeah. is just, that I shouldn't mean, be a 50-50 shot. Yeah. We should know that it would have been a 45 yard field goal on the, when it was 24 to 10, and it would have been a 47 yard field goal when it was 27-24. So again, it's not like it was, Fourth and five at like the 18 or something like that. I mean, it was, they were still long they, field goals. They showed Detroit, if it was fourth and three or less, uh, they always went for it. Yeah. Um, and that, that's the thing in, too. Inside that the 30 something. It, it's it's what got you there. You know what I mean? Like the way he played. It's, it's sound is what, decision making. Uh, what's always hard is when you there's not enough opportunities. Yeah. They went over two in the situations. I mean, he's stuck with. Uh, he's, it's like, oh, well, if you went one for two on the field goals and then, but then you never know what happens. No, exactly. I mean, again, yeah, if he makes that field goal, there's still seven and a half minutes left. You know, the Niners could have eaten five minutes off that clock, scored a touchdown. I mean, it's yeah. uh, there's then, no saying the, the anything. Thing at the end of the game was always like low low percentage of winning anyways. He definitely did kill his team's chance of winning, but he like they might have had a 2% chance to win and it went down to yeah. 0. 0.05. Um, it was weird, but I understand like his thought of like, well, We'll just we'll we'll score on this play because it's like that's we want to score on this play. We don't want to use any more time, and it's like kind of kind of knew that if you don't get it, you're gonna lose. So it's kind of yeah. like fine, but I yeah. don't know. Uh, I think it, they're, they're a good team. I think some bad stuff went against them, but that was just the kind of first first year type of thing. Like I did think it was interesting that two of the best rookies both had key fumbles uh, for their game for their team. In a loss. No, Zay Flowers and then and um, Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs, yeah. So, uh, rookies fumble more often than veterans. That's just yeah. how it goes. Uh, I think those franchises are probably hoping that's it. That's the one fumble they'll get in the playoffs and they'll be perfect from now on because they're both still really good players. Yeah, both very good indeed. Um, yeah, so that's the. Um, so now we've got the Super Bowl matchup. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers in Vegas. Um, I I mean we'll get more into our Super Bowl preview probably or really get into it next week because that's when I'll you know we'll have all the fun props out and stuff and we can talk about some props and all that stuff. But right now the opening line was um it's been moving well, it around one. a lot. Yeah, yeah, it opened at one. Uh, I think it opened at two actually and went down to one and a half and went down to one or like one and a half and then it went to one and then it's kind of shot back up a little bit to two so in favor Niners. of the Niners. Yes, but uh, I mean. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to give Kansas City a dog. I mean, I mean, again, we'll we'll get more into this next week because um, there's always a lot of fun props to talk about, and so we'll uh, get into those props. But I mean, Sanford. I mean, right now it's just tough to 
to go against the Chiefs, I feel like. I mean, I'd prefer the Niners to win, but I mean, I don't know. Well, well, we'll remember, see. I did pick the Niners, so I'm probably going to stick with that. But Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, our, our pick for the week. So uh, I took I took the Niners minus seven. You took Detroit plus seven. Uh, Could have gone Back either door, way. Yeah. It, was ten, it was ten points. Niners took a ten-point lead. We almost pushed. I mean, a normal yeah. coach would have had us push because I think any other coach would have kicked the field goal and been like, it's two scores that, anyway. That was actually one thing that maybe Detroit could have done was try to kick the quick field goal when they got into field goal range. You see teams try to do that sometimes. Yeah. When they got to the 20, instead of keep throwing passes, keep killing clock, I think it was like one it was like one minute and 40 seconds left. Take the, take the field goal there, and then uh, you can kick off and at least give yourself another chance. But Yeah. Um, that that would have been a push if that happened, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, that drops me to two and seven <laughs> in the playoffs. I, it really is remarkable. If if you followed this and just bet against every pick I made, <laughs> you would be a, a billionaire at this point. Um, <laughs> just kept rolling it over, but um, it's hard. It's hard to be this bad. Yeah, it's it's, it's got to be magic. There's, yeah, there's some contests out there that you win prizes for being yeah. so bad because it's like you said when you're picking the spreads, it's a coin flip. So. Going 0-10 is almost as impressive as going 10-0. The only difference is there's your down money. But yeah, I think we'll probably best we get into more of our the Super Bowl talk next week. Save it for next week because that'll be, you know, only about five days away from the big game. And it'll be fresh and uh, we'll find some fun props. You know, we'll go out there and we'll look at a we'll look at something that can give us some fun props that we'll give to you guys. I mean, there's always some funny things to do on those days. Different sites offered different things. A lot of those offshore sites will offer some some fun stuff, but uh it's always fun. And one of the most popular ones I feel like the last few years that I can remember is the national anthem. Like how long will it be? I don't even know who's singing it this year, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. So we'll, uh, yeah, we're already at that time of the year. I mean, January's only got a, like a couple days, like a day left or so. And then uh, we're already into the Super Bowl season. And then before you know it, it'll be other fun events. March Madness will be here. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely get into that stuff too. But uh, yeah, I think that'll be pretty much it for today. Yep. Well, very good. You've been listening to episode 361 of the Tony Steak Podcast. I'm Sean, and joined with me, we had Off-Road Andy. Yes. And Tony Katz. Yes, thanks for listening. We'll see you later.